There once was a young man who called himself a fisherman. He lived in a place where there was lots of fish. His house was surrounded by lakes, rivers, and streams. The fish around him were very hungry and very easy to catch, even for a beginner. Day after day, he talked about fishing. He even formed a group to get together to talk about the fish and how easy they were to catch. He read books about fishing. He knew everything there was to know about fishing. He got so excited one day that he wrote songs about fishing. He then shared them with his friends. They enjoyed them so much that they started meeting every week to sing these songs and talk about fishing. The problem is, this young man and his friends, they never meant fishing. Sure, he would go out to the river, take all his gear, even get ready to fish. But he never went fishing. He would check the water temperature, watch the fish swim around, and make sure everything was perfect. He looked like a real fisherman never fished. Have ever been fishing? Ever been fishing? Good. We've got participation from the beginning. Let's not stop that, okay? All right. Now let's raise it a level. How many people in the room would consider themselves a fisherman? Oh, much less. Yeah, there we go. Much fewer, much fewer. All right, so you that just raised your hand, you have a much better grasp of fishing than the rest of us, all right? You probably have the gear, you have the experience, you go out on a regular basis and probably actually catch some fish sometimes. But that's not my experience. If you know me very well, you know that I grew up going to the lake on a regular basis, still go now, and I don't really like to fish. Like, I always wanted to be behind the boat on skis or a tube or a wakeboard or something like that. I never really wanted to fish. And so today, I do know that there are fish stories around every lake. Like, if you grew up on the lake, you've heard a fish story. We have a big lake, and so we've got the dam. And so the story around our lake goes something like this. The One time there was a crack in the dam. And the divers had to go down and fix the dam. And when they were down there, they saw catfish the size of a Volvo. Or they saw catfish the size of a school bus. The story gets bigger and bigger as it's told, you know. And I don't even know if divers ever had to go down. But the story is told around our lake. And there's a fish story. So if you've ever been around a body of water, you hear the fish stories. Now, unfortunately for me, my kids like to fish. I don't like it at all, but we're down at the lake, and every morning they want to go out and try to fish and try to catch fish, and, and like, I don't want anything to do with it. When Connor got to the age that he was able to start baiting his own hook and getting the fish off and all that kind of stuff, I made a deal with him. I said, if you will figure out how to do all that on your own, I will buy you your own gear, and you can do it yourself. So he rushed really hard to figure out how to do that. I gladly bought him the rod and didn't have to go back out with him. Now, I've still got two more, so I'm not done yet, but we're still working on it. And so in our family, the fish story 
is a story about Biggie. You see, Biggie is a fish that lives under our dock. Biggie is a carp. It's a big fish that lives under the dock that we see on a regular basis. Now, don't tell my kids, but there's probably more than one Biggie, okay? So, what? You told my kids? <laughs> there's probably more than one Biggie under there. But either way, whenever they go fishing and the line breaks or they lose their bait or something happens, they're always going... Oh, I almost had Biggie. We lost Biggie. We hooked him but couldn't get him in. We never catch Biggie. I don't know if we'll ever catch Biggie. But my kids want to catch Biggie so bad. They are out there fishing, trying to catch Biggie all the time. And so when I was thinking about this passage of Jesus calling his disciples and telling them that he will make them fishers of men, I got to thinking about my goal for today is that when we leave this place, We have the same enthusiasm, the same excitement, the same passion for catching Biggie for Jesus. And so if you will, open your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read verses 18 through 22. And when you find your place, if you will stand as we read God's holy scriptures. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with his father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you uh, for how it teaches us and helps us to understand who we are in your kingdom. And God, I pray that today you would use your word to inspire us and encourage us to go fish for you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So when we look at this calling to There's two parts of this calling that jumps out at us. The first one is the calling to come follow me. He tells both brothers, both sets of brothers, to come follow me. And based on their response, they clearly understand that this is a life-changing calling. That Jesus, when he says, come follow me, he's saying, you're going to leave some stuff behind. That you're going to leave family, you're going to leave career, and you're going to follow me and follow this teacher around for a long time. Now, in their case, they understood that culturally, and we understand in our case that if we accept a calling to follow Jesus, that our lives will never be the same, that we're going to have to give some stuff up. Our life will never be the same if we choose to accept the calling to follow Christ. The second part of this calling, he goes on to say that I will send you out to fish for people. So come follow me and go be fishers of men. And so this is where I want to focus on what does Jesus mean when he says, I will send you out to fish for people? What does he mean with being fishers of men? Well, I think we can look at the language and understand who he's talking to and first realize that Jesus is being relatable to the people that he's talking to. Peter and Andrew and James and John are fishermen. So they know what it means to fish for fish. 
They know that they have to know how to fix their nets. They have to know what the water temperature is, the depth, and all the things and how the weather's going to affect their fishing so that they can be prepared to be the best fishermen. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. I'm going to teach you and prepare you all the things you need to know so that you can be the best fisher of men. So he's using this language of what you already know to help you understand where you're going. So I think Jesus does this regularly. We hear him in parables talk about farming so that he can relate to his audience that would understand those farming analogies. So if Jesus was calling you to come follow him, he may say, come follow me and I will make you a computer programmer of men. Come follow me and I'll make you a nurse of men. Okay, the analogy doesn't work, but you understand what I'm saying here is he's going to take what you already know and help you to understand the calling that he has in your life in order to reach people for the kingdom of God. Second, I think that Jesus uses this idea of fishing for men because it really is a perfect analogy of how we share the gospel. We even today take the gospel and we cast out the bait, which is the love of Christ, or meeting somebody's needs, or or telling them the good news of Jesus Christ. And, And as we cast that out, We're hoping that they take the bait so that we can then introduce them into a relationship with Jesus Christ that will affect them for eternity. And so this perfect analogy of what it looks like when we go out with the love of Christ and the gospel and we share with others of hopes of finding a relationship with Christ. So this is the calling of the disciples. He has called them and the scriptures tells us that they followed that they went and followed him. And so now Jesus has the job to prepare them for what he called them to do. He has called them to be able to send them out to fish for people. It's now time to prepare them. So for the next three, three and a half years of their lives, they would spend time with Jesus and be developed into fishermen, to be developed into fishermen. And I think it starts with this idea of they have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We're going to take some snapshots of Jesus' encounters with the disciples and understand how he got them in the right path to where they needed them to be because I think maybe some of these encounters are the encounters that we need to have. So the first one starts where Jesus is at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The Bible tells us the disciples are there with him and they are three days into the party and they run out of wine. Well, Jesus' mom comes to him and says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says, why do you bother me with this? My hour has not come yet. And Jesus' uh, mom continues to say, servants, do what he says. I guess because moms have always been bossy. Ooh, I'm glad it's not Mother's Day. But Jesus was obedient and to his mom, and he told the servants, go get those jars, fill them with water, and take them. And as they dipped the wine, the water, which had been turned to wine out, they realized that it was the best wine of the wedding feast. And this is how that story ends. In John chapter 2, verse 11, remember the disciples were there. Verse 11 says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. 
They believed in him because they saw his miracles. They saw him work. They saw his power. They saw that he had authority over the ability to turn water into wine. Who has that? Only the creator. They understood and they believed in him. So in our faith journey, we have to start by believing that God is who he says he is. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And that is the beginning of our journey as we are called to come follow him. And so the next step Jesus has to take is to prepare them and get them ready. They have to learn and grow and be prepared to take what I'm saying they're calling to their commissioning. And so for the next three and a half years, Jesus is going to prepare them. Some of that's going to come in the form of teaching. The teaching that I want to jump onto, we find in Matthew chapter 13. The Bible tells us that a large crowd assembled and that Jesus taught many things in parables. And so he is publicly teaching. Of course, the disciples are there listening and learning as well. And so in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about the parable of the farmer who sows his seed. The farmer spreads the seed, and as you know, some of the seed falls on the path where it is eaten and does not grow. Some of the seed is thrown into the rocky soil where it takes shallow roots, and when it grows up, the heat comes and scorches it and burns it up. Some of the seed goes into the thorn where it grows, but the thorns choke it out. But some of the seed falls on the good soil, where it produces a crop 160 or 30 times over. And so in this parable, Jesus is teaching this to a large crowd. And the large crowd, including the disciples, didn't understand what Jesus was trying to say. He was trying to teach them that the kingdom of God was like this, but they still didn't understand. So after the fact, the disciples asked, why are you teaching in parable? And what does that mean anyway? And so Jesus tells them that I teach in parable because some people are not ready to listen. They're not ready to learn. But some are, and those will understand the parable. And to make sure they understood that they were the ones that were supposed to understand the parable, he went on to tell them exactly what the parable meant, that the seed was the gospel, and that when it was spread, sometimes it would be received, and sometimes it wouldn't. What a great teaching to help them understand what they're going to be when they're fishing for men. They're going to be armed with the gospel. They're going to throw the seed of the gospel out. And sometimes when they cast their net, they'll catch fish. And sometimes when they cast their net, they won't catch fish. So Jesus is teaching them publicly and privately. Another time in Luke chapter 9, Jesus has retreated away with the disciples in private and he is praying with them and he's teaching them. Luke 9, 18 says this, once when Jesus was praying in private with his disciples and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, Jesus asked who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. We see here in this interaction that the disciples have a much greater understanding than the crowd. The crowd had heard of Jesus. The crowd might have sat and heard some of his teachings. They may have even seen him perform a miracle. But the crowds did not grasp who Jesus really was. So when Jesus asked, who do the crowd say I am? They come up with John the Baptist, Elijah, or the prophet. 
But then he gets very personal. How about you guys? My disciples who have spent time with me, who have learned from me, who have sat under my teaching, who have seen the power of my miracles, who have seen what I've been able to do. Who do you say I am? And Peter goes, God's Messiah. So we see here that in order to understand and grasp who God really is, we've got to spend time with him. We've got to know him. We've got to learn from him. We've got to listen to him. And just like the disciples, when we are asked, who do you say I am? If we have done those things, we will very easily be able to say, you are God's Messiah, my Savior, and my Lord. And so where are you? Have you spent time with God? Do you know God? Do you know him to where that would be your answer? So along the way, Jesus has taught them of who he is He's taught them about the kingdom of God and he is preparing them for what he has called them to do and eventually will commission them to do. But everybody's got to practice, right? And so in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, we see Jesus send the disciples out to practice. Verse 1 says this, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out the demons and to cure the diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. This was like their midterm exam. It was time for Jesus to let them practice, to let them have a test. How much have you learned? Are you ready to go and fulfill the calling that I have for you guys to take on the world? So he sends them out to practice. Now, when it comes to fishing, it takes practice. If you're a fisherman in the room, you know that. If you're not a fisherman in the room, it's probably because you hadn't practiced enough. Morgan is a cousin of mine, a good bit younger than me. And when he would come down to the lake, he always wanted to fish. He didn't, doesn't have a father figure in his life. And quite honestly, nobody else around our place cares to fish. But Morgan wanted to fish. So he got a rod and a reel and he got out there and he practiced and practiced and practiced and over and over and over trying to catch a fish. And it didn't matter if it was the heat of the day in the middle of summer or if we were there during the holidays and it was cold outside. He had a hook in the water. He was trying to catch a fish. Now, I'll be honest. I don't remember seeing Morgan catch very many fish. But now, Morgan's in his mid-twenties. He is a really good fisherman because he practiced. He worked really hard at it. And now, whenever he's down there, he's always catching fish down there because he practiced. Now, I don't know about you, but if that were me and I went all that time without catching any fish, I'd have given up. Fishing can be frustrating. Fishing can be hard. We get better with practice, but it can be frustrating. If we go back to our first passage, we see that James and John's, it says, were preparing their nets. Preparing their nets. That means they were getting ready, preparing, doing what they need to do to be able to go out and fish. They had to prepare. They had to practice in order to fish. Sometimes when we go out and practice, we come back and we feel rejected. 
or we come back and we may be hurt on the inside. Another word, of, another way the translate the preparing their nets could be mending their nets. There's a chance that they had been out fishing and the net had been caught on a rock and it had made a hole in their net. And so they were mending their nets, getting them ready to go fishing again. So even if you've tried and you said, I've done that, it doesn't work. We need to keep practicing. We need to keep working, keep pushing forward because God has a call on our life and that's to come follow him and go be fishers of men. So we keep practicing. Now, for some of us, that may mean that you need to join us on Tuesday night for our weekly visitation where we go out to people that have just moved into this community. And we say, welcome to the neighborhood, and we share the gospel as opportunities arrive. We would love to have you join us on Tuesday nights where we can pair you up with somebody that's more experienced and they can help prepare you to go and do that. Maybe for some of you, that means you need to sign up for one of our many mission trips. We have mission trips here locally, all over the country, and abroad. And if you sign up for that, we'll help prepare you, train you, get you ready to go out and be fishermen wherever God is calling you to be. Maybe for you, you need to find a more experienced person. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's somebody in the church, and and you help get with them and train and practice and understand better how to share your faith. Whatever it looks like for you, don't stop practicing. Because the more you practice, the better you get. The more you practice, the more useful you are to the kingdom of God. Well, as the disciples continue on, they obviously get better and better at fishing and and, uh, doing what God's called them to do. And then we get to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And after the resurrection of Christ comes the commissioning. We started with the call where he says, come follow me, I will send you to fish for men. And here we are at the end after Jesus' resurrection and he is sending them to fish for men. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The commissioning. He sends them out. He says it's time. We have been training. We've been preparing. We've been praying together. We've practiced. It's now time for you to go and take on the world because I'm going back to sit at the right hand of the Father. And so he commissions them to go. But don't worry. He didn't make them do it on their own. Even though they've practiced, even though they've prepared, in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he gave them the power of the Holy Spirit to help them go and do exactly what he's been preparing them for, exactly what he has called them for, honestly, exactly what he created them for. He gave them the training, and now he gave them the power to do it. And the same command, the same calling that they have, we have today. As believers in Christ, we are called to follow him and to go fish for men. We have the same commission to go and make disciples. We have the same power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us as believers. And so we go with the same power and authority that God's given us. So as we go, we have to look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to share with Christ. Now, I told you that 
I don't necessarily like fishing, but there was one time I was out on the lake with Jessica. We were driving the boat, and the opportunity to fish arose. So I took advantage of it. We're driving the boat, and a two-liter bottle is swimming across the lake. Now, I don't know what you know about two-liter bottles, but they don't swim. And so as it was swimming, I knew there had to be a fish attached to that bottle. And so I looked at Jessica. I said, you want to go fishing? And so she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, we're going to catch a fish. So we drove over there, and as we approached the bottle, it went underwater out of sight. And I was like, oh, we got a big fish. And so we had a net down in the well of the boat, and we pulled that out, and we kept circling around trying to net this bottle, and it just kept diving too deep to even get with the net. Well, after about 30 minutes of wearing the fish out, I finally netted the bottle. I grabbed the bottle, and I pulled it up, and in the fish story, it had to be like a 50-pound catfish. I mean, it was huge, right? And so I took the net, and I scooped up under this massive fish that laid across the top of the net. I told you I wasn't a fisherman, right? And so it flopped around, got off the hook, and went in the water. Missed out on the 50-pound catfish. Man. The opportunity was there to catch a big fish. We have to look for opportunities to catch the fish that are all around us every single day. You see, when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room, they saw opportunity. They looked outside the windows. They saw the crowd in the city that had gathered for the festival of Pentecost. And they bust out and they started proclaiming the good news. Everything Jesus had trained them for, they knew. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon them and they couldn't help but go fishing. And so they bust out and they start telling people the good news. And here is part of the message that Peter shared. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generations. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The opportunity was there. The crowd was there. They were eager to listen. God had just performed the miracle, sent the Holy Spirit, and they took advantage of the opportunity right in front of them. So what opportunities do you have? It's going to be different for all of us. It's going to be based on your personality, where you go, things you do. But some of you, it may be that you're at a gas station and somebody comes up and asks, can you help me with gas? And you're able to help them with gas and share the love of Christ. Maybe you're in a grocery store and the person checking your groceries out or it just needs a word of encouragement and you're able to share with that person. Maybe you buy somebody's meal and share the love of Christ with them or maybe it's somebody in your family that you need to, to go fishing for or maybe it's somebody at work. I know that if most of us go to work each and every day, and there are opportunities available at work. When I was in between churches and working a, a secular job, I, I had an opportunity to share my faith. I was walking through an office. Maintenance guy was in there talking with one of the secretaries, and they were talking about 
heaven and how you get there and things like that. And neither one of them knew the answer. And as I walked in, the maintenance guy goes, there's Matt. He'll know the answer to this. How do you get to heaven? And I went, wow, what an opportunity. And so there was probably eight or ten people in that office space. And so I stepped up and said, well, let me tell you how to go to heaven. So that everybody could hear. But that's not always the case. There's a story of a guy named Ryan who is now in ministry, but at the time was working a secular job. And he wanted to share his faith and he wanted opportunities and one night he was working the night shift and another guy was sitting next to him at break time and he starts asking the questions about eternity and God and what do you believe about this and Ryan gets excited. This is the opportunity that every Christian's looking for. I'm going to get to share my faith right here. And so he starts to talk and answer some of his questions and tell his story of how he goes to church and what God did for him. And the guy stops him and says, you're a Christian? And it broke his heart. And he thought, how does he not know I'm a Christian? I don't walk around and cuss like the other guys. And I'm nice to everybody. And as he evaluated it, he realized, I've been working here, but I've never gone fishing. I've never opened my mouth and told people what I believe. I've never opened my mouth and told them how Jesus has changed my life. He's never been fishing. And because of that, the conversation ended and he missed the opportunity. Now, like I said, just about all of us go to work and there are opportunities that are going to be there. And so the challenge is that we are prepared, that we are ready, and that when the opportunity comes, we take advantage of it and we're able to share the love of Christ. Again, I remind you that I think the Christian life requires two things. It's found in this calling, come follow me. Come follow me means that we're coming, that we know Jesus, that we spend time with him, that we understand who he is, we understand his power, we see his miracles at work, we give him credit and glory for all things because we know him and we're following after him, making him the Lord of our lives, whatever he says, we do. And the second is to go be a fisherman to go fish, to tell others about him, to get out and practice, prepare, get ready, and to look for opportunities to fulfill this command, to go be fishers of men. Well, we started with a silly story about a fisherman that had fish all around him. He loved to see the fish. He learned about how to fish. They even got together and wrote songs about fishing they never fished. I know, it's a silly story, but here's the truth. In the church, sometimes we look silly. Sometimes we come into this place and we get excited about learning about fishing. We get excited and we sing songs to God about who he is and about sharing his love and about fishing in a lost and dying world. And we leave the place and nothing changes. And we look silly. So my challenge today is that we take one step closer to God from our call to our commissioning. 
My passion as a minister is to see people step one step closer to God each and every day. You see, I believe that if you're already a believer, you have accepted the call to follow him. And whether or not you've done anything with that is, is, is on you. But ultimately, God has created you for a purpose. And we've got to go from calling to the commissioning of fulfilling the purpose that God created us for. And to do that, it's one step closer to God, one step closer to learning, one step closer to growing, one step closer to spending time with Him, one step closer in practicing, and one step closer to doing. The teenagers know this because I talk about it all the time. We want to move one step closer, but in reality, we know that sometimes we go two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes there's seasons of our life where we're only going backwards. So my challenge and encouragement today is to take a step forward. Evaluate where you are. Have you already believed? Is God still calling you? Say, come follow me, and you haven't taken that step yet? Today could be the day. In just a minute, we're going to have an invitation. I'll be standing right here, and you can come forward and say, I'm ready to believe. And I'll walk you through that. And you can start your journey from call to commissioning today. Maybe you've already accepted the call but never done anything with it. And you need to commit today to learn more, to grow more, to spend more time with God. And that's the step you need to take today. Whatever the step is, we want you to take it today. Because I believe that as we continue to step one step at a time, closer to God, closer to God, closer to our calling and our purpose that God will use us for great things in his kingdom, for his glory. So today, let's go back to our passage one more time. We see how the disciples responded. It says Peter and Andrew at once left their nets and followed God. It said James and John immediately left their boat and their, fo- and their father and followed him. So the call is to do it now. Don't wait But take a step now, immediately make the decision to grow closer to Christ today. Let's pray. Dearly and Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of the disciples as they responded to the call you put on their life and ultimately the command and commissioning to go take on the world. God, I know that you've gifted us in so many ways and you've called us to do great things. So God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room that we would commit to grow today, that we would commit to practice today, God, that we would be committed to being who you created us to be. So God, as we respond, we give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name.